on 89.9 The Light, you're in conversation with Clayton. And a man over the years of this program, about 15 plus years, I've got, had a chance to interview a couple of times, but maybe uh, this has been his project that's been most passionate on his heart. He, he loves photography. We've talked about that a, a number of times. Ken Duncan regarded as uh, definitely Australia's leading, maybe the world's leading oh. panorama uh, sort of photographer. But I tell you what, you've got something even more passionate to talk about. Ken, welcome to the program. Look, thanks very much, but really an average photographer with a great card. <laughs> I do love, I know you have that line and that's something you often say and I well, love Exactly, yeah. You can use a knucklehead like me. You can use anyone. So. Ken, we, we're going to talk about um, the remarkable events that have taken place over the past couple of days uh, with a cross on the top of Memory Mountain, which is a pretty much almost right in the middle of Australia. So we're going to get to that. But before we do, could I just get, for somebody who maybe doesn't understand a bit of your faith journey, uh, take us through a little bit of, of uh, from your perspective, how you actually uh, became a Christian and said, look, this is actually a, oh. part of my photography <laughs> is even about sharing what God is about. Oh, that, that's a long one because, as I said before, a bit of a knucklehead, so I had to basically come the hard way and run into a few brick walls. Um, I'd recommend people don't need to do it that hard way. They can just uh, say, okay, God, if you're real, show me who you are. And, you know, I really believe God's able to show people who he is because if he can't, what's the point of following God, you know? so. Um, but me, I had to sort of fight God and I uh, wouldn't recommend it because he's a very good fighter. <laughs> so, but, you know, I got involved in my parents. I had no excuses. I had no abuse as a child. I had the most perfect parents you could imagine. They were lovely Christians. They weren't, you know, uh, religious fanatics or anything like that or... And they allowed me to have my own thoughts and, uh, you know, so I was brought up in a beautiful home. But it just seemed too simple, Christianity. It just seemed, hang on a second, Jesus does all this work and you get the benefits for free. It just seemed like surely it can't be that easy. So I went off on my journey and got involved in all sorts of things, you know, looking for, looking for truth, really, looking for some meaning to life. And, um, you know, I went down the path of, earning money and success with houses and all that sort of stuff and fast cars and um, but I realized it doesn't really bring you happiness at all it just brings you lots of people who are generally around because you're so-called successful and you have all this stuff and I just thought there's got to be more to life than just possessions and at some stage I was thinking mowing my lawn one day I thought do I own my possessions or do they own me <laughs> and I thought there's got to be more to life than this, you know. And so that's when I went on my journey with my camera to try and find a meaning to life. And so through observing creation, I really found God. Because when you really look at creation after a while, you can't just keep saying, oh, that just happened by chance. Oh, you know, oh, you know, you know, the Big Bang. And it's just all of a sudden, it's like a pop-out card. It just all of a sudden evolved that way. And so, and... You know, God was very gentle with me. I, I mean, uh, you know, for me to finally realize there had to be a spiritual realm and there had to be some purpose greater, I I lost a friend on the way who died. You know, uh, I was trying to resuscitate him in the middle of a river. He got caught in a stopper. And I felt his life force leave his body. And for me, that was a real challenge. I thought, oh my gosh, there is a spiritual realm. So if there's a spiritual realm, 
there must be a God. And so I thought, how do I get to know this God? And what is his plan for my life? And, you know, I thought of my parents again, but I thought, nah, too easy. So I went down, you know, doing Buddhism, Hinduism, Aboriginal spiritualism, you name it, and all some other things I shouldn't have been doing too. But but finally, you know, all the way through this journey, I was just looking at the beauty of God's creation. And in the end, he got my attention. You know, in the end, you can't, well, you can if you want to, if you're hard, if your heart's hard enough, you can hard to anything. But in the end, you know, just the beauty of his creation just got under my skin. I just thought, man, there's got to be a creator. And I opened it up and he showed me how real he can be. And, and I think that's what people need, a real encounter. But what you've got to do, the first step you've got to do is be willing to be open. You know, often they say Christians are locked up. Man, people in the world are often so locked up. Oh, no, there can't be a God. You know, they're like really angry at God or something, you know. <laughs> So just be open and, you know, see what happens. You know, if um, God, I just think he, he shows up in miraculous ways. Yeah, love that. Absolutely love that. And just on this, you know, this Easter Sunday as we celebrate uh, all of what that is too, can I just give you a phone number? Maybe you're listening and you're going, okay, Ken described part of my journey and I've been sort of pushing back. And Who do I talk to? Where do I ask? Well, uh, give our care line a call. There's people there ready to just answer some of your questions, guide you to places to look. Um, just hear what you've got to say. If you need to talk to somebody, make that call today, 9583-2273 or 9583-CARE if you use the letter pad on your phone. It's important to understand your faith journey too, Ken, because obviously a lot of people might know you from your oh, photos, yeah. but this has led to this remarkable event over this Easter weekend um, with the erection of the 20-metre-tall cross on Memory Mountain in the Northern Territory. Tell us a little bit about this journey. Um, I mean, we've got oh. lots to cover off, but it started a long time ago, didn't it? Hey, look, it's not my vision. It's the vision of the Aboriginal people out here in the Red Centre. And they're my friends, and I've spent a lot of time with them out in this community over you know, probably 24 years out here with them. And my thing was really trying to teach photography, cinematography, music, and tourism, creating jobs in these remote communities. But during that, I was invited to an event called Sing Along, where they sing songs to Jesus. And in one of these communities, they've been singing songs to Jesus since 1982, nearly every night for two, three, four hours. And I heard this singing, and it was just the most profound thing I've ever heard. And it was so, it was like an open heaven was created where you could really sense God's presence. Even the most hardened hearted person could sense it. And looking up at the stars, because they, they're not really into just being stuck in buildings, they like to be underneath the stars. And um, so I experienced that. And then at one of these big sing-along festivals, which is what we're going to be doing, which we are doing on this Easter, is um, this sing-along. So there's tribes that have come from all over and are coming from all over, all over the weekend. Uh, and they're lifting up the name of Jesus. And there's some really hot bands coming. And it's, so it's like uh, an amazing celebration. But oh, just you sit back and you can just feel the presence of God, you know. So... Yeah. Um, so at one of these sing-along events, they came up with this vision to build this cross on this mountain. Now, where this event's held is a place called Memory Mountain, and it has a very strong Christian heritage, this area, because it, there's a memorial at the base of this mountain remembering in, in, in memory of 
four indigenous evangelists who came out to spread the gospel, not Lutheran pastors, uh, but they came out and uh, hundreds came to know Christ and uh, got baptized in that area. And there's a monument to those four evangelists. Now, that was in 1923. And so we're at this celebration uh, probably about 10 years ago, 15 years ago, at a sing-along. And all these people started coming up to me and saying, Hey, Ken, we've been seeing a cross built on the top of that mountain. We need to build a cross. And I'm thinking, well, you know, go ahead, do it. It's your land. <laughs> you know, and I, because I don't want to get them listed in projects. You know, everybody has good ideas and get someone else to do them or something. But, um, no disrespect. I was very, you know, you can come up with a lot of good ideas, but are they a God idea? Uh, but all of a sudden kids come up and say, Ken, we've been seeing a cross on top of that hill and there's like a ladder on top of it with angels going up and down into heaven. And I thought, how could the kids know that, you know? And then some of the senior elders came and said, Ken, the people have been seeing a cross on top of that hill and we need to build one. And, you know, we, and, I, and in the end, I said, well, what do you want to build a cross for, you know? like?" And he said, because we want people to know that we are in spiritual warfare in this nation and we want people to know that we are covered by Jesus. And this mountain is going to be a prayer mountain where anyone's welcome, no matter what their faith, whatever their belief, they're all welcome to come and sit on that mountain. It's a mountain to bring people together. And when they said that, I thought, well, that sounds like a great vision to me. Sure, I'll help. And I thought, you know, a couple of 4B2s, a couple of bags of cement, we'll just whip up a cross. But then it evolved, you know, all of a sudden. And I don't think God ever really fully tells you what you're going to, face up to, or I don't think you'd turn up after the time. <laughs> but, um, you know, so it, it's grown. It's just amazing how the whole journey's gone. A person, an engineer, had been in his prayer time. God spoke to him about a cross being built out in the centre of Australia, and he came to see me, and he said, Ken, you're doing something in central Australia? And I said, yeah, sure. And I told him more about the education side of what we're doing. And he said, oh, that's good, but no, you're building something. And I said, well, my Aboriginal friends want to build a cross. And he said, that's it. He says, I want to help. And I said, look, with all due respect, you're a great engineer, but you're really expensive. We can't afford that. <laughs> and he said, no, I'm going to come out, no cost, and I'll come out and help them see what they want to do. And then it evolved. And when they came out, I'll never forget, they sat with the Aboriginals in front of the mountain and they drew on the ground with a stick the mountain and and they, the the engineer said so what size do you see the cross and he drew with a stick the cross and it was like 20 meters in scale yeah and uh, the engineer said that's about 20 meters and, and they said yeah well that's the right size i think and the engineer said yep that's exactly the size it should be to be in scale with the mountain and as soon as they said that, I thought, this is more than a couple of bags of cement and 4B2. Yes. <laughs> and so that's when the journey started. And look, it's taken years to do because of all the permissions we've had to get. And look, we've had some amazing donors who found out about it. We haven't gone out and said, oh, please give money or anything like that. We've just said, God, you want to build that cross, you'll provide the finances. And it's just one day when we tell the story of how the finances have come, it's just miraculous it's just been amazing and you know it's not finished we've got the cross done and it's going to be you know it's all celebrating now but we're also going to put um 
you know, a place where people can come and stay and uh, accommodation and then camping facilities and it'll be a place where people can just come and go up on that mountain and uh, yell at the universe. You know, like I, I had a, a friend who was really anti-God. He was fought in the Serbian wars and, um, you know, he killed people and he saw a lot of people killed. He was in special forces. And he came out and he was um, very angry at God. He said, how can there be a God when there's so much suffering like that? And I said, well, you know, whether you believe in God or not doesn't change the fact that God's real, but, you know, anyhow. So he came up the mountain with us because he was also an engineer and he was fascinated because when you see the engineering work done to do no damage to the mountain, so that the tracks hanging off the mountain, he was fascinated by the whole project. And then when we got up the top, uh, he said, what are we doing? I said, uh, well, we're going to just have a prayer, but just do what you want. And he said, well, what's prayer? And I said, well, really, it's just yelling at the universe. God knows who he is. He doesn't have a personality crisis. So just, you've got some issues, give it to him, you know. <laughs> He's sitting up on top of the mountain uh, having a very colourful dialogue with God. But in the end, he had, a, he had an experience. He had a revelation, you know, like he had visions and all sorts of stuff. And he's a man who didn't believe in visions or anything like that. So there's something definitely going on out of this mountain. And in the end, this man became a Christian without anybody talking to him about it. He had his own encounter. And this is, you know, God says he shows the, the reality of who he is by through his creation. In Romans 1.20, for ever since the creation of the world, God made himself visible through his creation so that all people are without excuse. And, you know, if you just slow down and open your heart a bit and allow that creation to come in, you'll start to realize, you know, there is a creator. There is someone who loves us. And, you know, we need to have that hope right now because the world's lost its way big time. Yeah. Well, I guess, yeah, so that's how yeah. the things happen. I love it. My guest is Ken Duncan. He's currently uh, talking to us from the Northern Territory this Easter. In fact, Good Friday officially. Uh, the cross on top of Memory Mountain was officially sort of, uh, you know, said, right, we're, we're a go here as we are. Uh, it's also been called uh, the Forgiveness Cross. And we're going to hear more about that part of the story next with Ken here on 89.9 The Light. On 89.9 The Light, you're in conversation with Clayton this Easter Sunday and uh, there's been something incredible happen right in the middle of Australia. Uh, it's been a long time coming, uh, starting from the local Indigenous people who are saying, uh, we want to see a cross uh, right in the middle on top of Memory Mountain. It's also the place that uh, 100 years ago, uh, literally 100 years ago, uh, four uh, evangelists came to share about Jesus to the local community as well. And a cross has just been erected there, officially launched on Good Friday, just gone. And Ken Duncan was a huge part of uh, being the connector for so many people. And it's wonderful to be able to have a chat to him today as well. Um, Ken, I know that also not only um, is there this fact that it's Memory Mountain, this is a, a key thing, but it's also being called sort of the Forgiveness Cross or the Cross of Forgiveness, these sorts of things as well. And I know there's some stories that go around with that as well. Could you share those? Well, Alison Malta was one of the women who had um, the vision, and, and I said, so what are you calling the cross? And she said, we want to call it Forgiveness Cross. And she's one of the senior women and elders in this area. And I said, well, what do you mean? And she, well, I mean, I understand forgiveness. She said, well, we're not saying about forgiving white people. She said, we've already done that. We don't, we don't believe white people or European people have our future in their hands. God has our future in his hands. We're saying 
God forgive us all for trying to do things in our own strength. And I just thought that is so beautiful. It's not like, uh, you know, and this is true. No matter who we are, we all fall short in, in many ways. But the thing is that we need sometimes to say, God forgive us. I mean, look at what we're doing on our planet right now. We've got people who have made bombs that are potentially have the potential to destroy our planet. I mean, gee, humans are just so clever, aren't we? You know, <laughs> and here we've got wars going on. It's enough. You know, if there is no God, we're all in trouble because I do believe God has a different outcome that's going to come. And I believe this cross is that, the, that God's done through the indigenous people is part of his strategy for revival in our nation that's going to go out across our nation and into the islands and into the rest of the world. That's how powerful I think. You know, we need a move of God because look at, look at all the politics, the bureaucracies, they're out of control. And there's no good, you know, whether you're liberal, labor, independent, green, whatever. It's just, hello, we need to start moving together and um, there's a lot of people hurting, you know, and God hears the cries of hurting. And that's why I think revival's coming through the indigenous people, because the biggest shame in our nation is when you look at what's happening in these remote indigenous communities. They're living in third and fourth world conditions. And then when we wonder, you know, we hear all on the news, all the news wants to show is the violence in Alice Springs and all this sort of stuff. Well, you know, these are kids who've got no hope and future in their communities. So they're going into the towns and they look at everybody else who's got all their cars and houses and all this sort of stuff and they're saying, well, how can I ever have something like that? So we need to be walking a while with the people out here to bring them on the journey with us, you know, not isolate them out in these remote communities. So this cross, why I was really excited to help them, it's not just about trying to turn people into Christians or anything like that. It's about creating economic opportunities also for the people out here. So the people will be able to come out here and go on cultural tours with the Aboriginals, go and hear the stories from them. They've also got Dreamtime stories that are beautiful stories to, to tell and show them the bush medicines. And So this is creating jobs. Like over this uh, weekend... Over 20 Indigenous people have been employed. And, you know, we're employing... So when you see all this stuff that's going on in towns, what we need to do, it's not about hearing a voice. It's about hearing the voices of each individual community. Because each community has to have its own vision. And, you know, this is what's happened out here. We said, well, what do you people want to do to create sustainable outcomes? And they said, look, we want to build a cross. We want to build tourism, we want to create opportunities in our communities so our young people have real jobs. Because, you know, a lot of the kids have been down to Melbourne, to been to colleges, and people say it's all about education. But what is the point of education when you come back and there's no jobs in your community? And they need to stay, many of them want to stay connected to their community because they, we can learn so much from Indigenous people about connection to land and place. We, as the Western world, we are so disconnected. That is part of the problem. It's not global warming. It's it's like we're just totally disconnected from everything. It's all about all sorts of other things. So this is why I think God's heard the cries of what's happening out here, and he's starting with that. 
And like we're having so much fun, like it's so exciting. Sing along, and on this weekend we've got sports weekend, so we've got AFL. I love. I know you all love your AFL down there. So we've got some great footballers here. So there's all these tribes coming from far and wide. We've got boomerang throwing competition, real boomerangs. So if you got hit by one, they'll be in trouble. Real spear throwing competitions, crawlman races, and so. And, you know, at night we're having big celebrations for Jesus. And uh, over the weekend we've got uh, Sam Childers, the machine gun preacher, coming out one night because they wanted him to come and uh, be part of the event. So it's, it's exciting. Yeah, love it. It's so, so good. Um, Ken, I, I'm guessing too that uh, in time, you know, this is certainly going to be one of those moments where, you know, in the middle of this weekend, perhaps you can't quite get the camera out yourself as much. You're probably doing too many speeches or talking to people, but is there going to be a moment where you think you just come back, just you and the camera, with the cross and, and all of what it is and, and really capture it from the gift that you've been given too? Look, I'm going to make the time to walk away at some stage. You know, I have to because... And also, you know... Look, when we see those, when the lights came on, myself and the elders, we were just crying because, and, I, and I'm looking at them. Well, they started, <laughs> they started crying. I said, what's wrong? What, what, what's wrong? You know, and they said, Ken, you don't know what this means to us. He said, you know, um, we've had many things promised in the past by governments and things like this and nothing's ever happened. But here's our vision in front of us. It's happened. It's real. And then that was it for me. I was off the Antigas. And for the, just to see that. And, you know, it's I've only played a small part. I, I just tried to help, you know, and my wife, Pam, who's just been an amazing woman, really, she's done far more than anybody. You know, but it's just been a team that have done it. But most importantly, it's been the Indigenous people who've had to fight a lots of bureaucracies and all sorts of politics and stuff like that to bring this dream to pass and at some of the important milestones uh, where they've had, you know, uh, people trying to say, oh, you shouldn't do this, shouldn't do that, they've stood strong with their faith and belief. No, it's our vision, we want this. You know, for two years they were interrogated by Lands Council to make sure it was their will. And in a way, that's great that Lands Council did that because no one will ever be able to say that it was someone else's vision. It's their vision, and they are so proud. That's why the celebration is so, you know, exciting, because it's their vision, and it's their voice. We all talk about hearing the voice. Yes. Well, you know, if you're going to hear people's voice, you may not necessarily hear what they want to do, but if it's their voice and their land, they should be able to do whatever they want to do, as long as, you know, it's also looking at having creating sustainable outcomes and that's what this is going to create like yeah. we're going to have thousands of people coming out here we had a gentleman who does uh, pilgrimage tours uh, Philip Riles and he's brought out the first tour and it, they're just blown away people are just like this is the most exciting tour I've ever done and Philip who's been to the holy sites all around the world he, he was on the mountain and he said Ken this is one of the most holy sites I've ever been to anywhere in the world. And I went, and he said, we're going to bring thousands. And I said, slow down there, Philip. We're not ready for that. We're still working on the toilet. So if, if people do want to help us and do want to come out, you know, feel free to donate wherever they can so we can build all the toilets and the, the showers as well. 
<laughs> I love it. I love it. I think it's yeah. going to be such a remarkable thing. And, and as you said, it's, there's this remarkable practical, uh, there's this remarkable economic potential, yeah. there's this remarkable um, heartfelt of achieving something from it. And then there's the symbolic as well, that this cross that uh, is 20 feet tall, right in the middle of Australia, lit up at night as well. Oh, yeah. Wait, so much. You see. yeah. Now, we've had some problems with the lighting, but we've got it specially lit uh, for the event, so it's going to look spectacular. So, but the lighting will be fine. It's just we had some issues with the lighting for the event, but we've actually gone up and you know, up and above that, and right. we've got some... We've actually got a guy coming out of Melbourne who's going to be doing the lighting of the cross, uh, who is doing the lighting of the cross, and it's looking spectacular. But uh, in, in about a month or two, the the final lighting will be finished again. And it. it also comes out of Melbourne, so you guys have got a lot. <laughs> the lighting we're using has come out of Melbourne, I so it's quite amazing. That's great. Ken, look, thank you again for giving us a bit of your time. It's uh, such a special moment, I think, in the, the history of Australia in terms of these moments. So thanks again for your time. Appreciate it. And look, thank you uh, for your support and all those people out there who've um, helped us on this journey and the Indigenous people out here would like to send their love and thanks to everybody. So bless you guys. Ken Duncan, my guest here on 89.9 The Light.